Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to Voices of the Vic with me, Mike Duffy, and as always, my co-host Ben Ayton. Ben, how are you doing this Saturday evening? Yeah, very well, mate. Um, it's always better after you've watched your team the night before and they pick up a, a victory, three important points at Pride Park. So yeah, yeah. all good, mate, isn't it, here? How, good, how are good. you? Yeah, very good. Like you say, it's a bit weird that we're recording this on a Saturday and we haven't played. Like today almost feels like it's a Sunday because I watched us play yesterday. Um, so, yeah, that's taken a bit of getting used to, but I've sort of been half keeping an eye on the other results rolling in. Most importantly, we are now above Luton because Stoke beat them. So that is brilliant news. Brilliant um, news, yeah. Yeah, and we're in the top six as well. So, yeah, Results happy probably day. went our way. I know it's too early to, keep, to look at the table and that, but yeah. teams, t- teams um, dropped points. I think Reading and Bristol City both drew today. Um, Blackburn lost... Luton, like you mentioned, they lost as well. So results kind of went our way, but it's too late to um, to be saying that, really. It is, but at the same time, you make a very good point. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll delve. Unfortunately, Ben, we do have to speak about the uh, the game that we uh, we won on Friday because it wasn't the most you know best game ever. That you know that won't go down in the history books. Um, We'll start at the very beginning, as always, in terms of the team lineups. Now, before the game, everybody was buzzing because we knew that Kapu was staying, Hughes was staying, Deeney was staying, and probably, you know, most importantly, Saar was staying. Um, we tweeted off the account, off our podcast account, that, um, you know, the Athletic and Adam Leventhal said that Saar is very likely to stay and will play against Derby that night. Now, obviously, we aren't in the know, so we weren't to know that that wasn't meant to be the case, but we'll get onto that in a little bit. Just before we talk about the team lineups, Ben, I just briefly 
How important is it that we've kept those players that I've just reeled off there? Massively important. They're, they're only going to boost the squad. Um, I still think that... I don't want to go into too much detail so early on in the podcast because I know we're going to do it a bit further on, but I, I feel like we're only in second gear at the moment and getting those people yeah. back um, is only going to help us move up the gears, isn't it? And it's going to make us so much stronger. Um, the, the massive one was keeping Ismail Saar. I know... Um, there was a cheeky last um, last day bid from a yeah. club, um, but um, yeah, managed to keep hold of him. That's absolutely massive. Yeah, absolutely massive it was. Um, but we were all sort of left a little bit disappointed when the team news come out. I, I know I certainly was. So I'm sure you'll tell me how you'll feel in a minute, Ben. But the team news come out, and there was no Sar. And there was no Kapu. And I believe the reasoning for Saar was he'd just missed the coach because he'd not long got back from international duty. Um, I'm, again, not sure how true that is. But, uh, yeah, a little bit disappointing. I'll read through the team now. So, it was fostering goal. It was Wilmot, Trooster Kong and Cabaselli with a back three. So, a debut for Trooster Kong. Uh, I can't wait to talk about his performance. The wingbacks were Kiko Femenia and Jerry, Jeremy Ngakia. The th- uh, three in the middle, uh, well, the the middle guys, if you like, was probably, if you look at it as a three-five-two, the three in the middle was Quinner, Chalabat, and Cleverley, and then you had Semmer sort of supporting Pedro up top. So when that team news come out and we didn't see Kapoor on the bench and we didn't see Sar on the bench because, uh, or in starting eleven for that matter of fact, because we we saw a couple of players which. I perhaps didn't expect to see uh, coming on the bench. Uh, we had Backman on the bench, Kafkar, Garner, Hungbo, Murray, Phillips and Stevenson. Uh, now, listeners, I actually called that Hungbo was going to be on the bench yesterday. I said to Ben, I says, Ben, I'm calling it now. He's going to be on the bench. But um, how surprised was you at that lineup full stop, like, including the players on the bench as well? I'm very surprised considering we, we like you said, um, we saw that tweet from Adam Leventhal and he said that Saul was saying and that he was going to play against Derby. But um, it, it makes sense that he um, didn't play. Um, if he only came back from international duty for the day before. Um, but I, I think actually Senegal didn't actually, uh, Senegal played last week, last weekend, and then they had a second game. But that second game was actually um, cancelled. Yeah, um, so I don't know why he. I don't know why he didn't end up coming back a bit sooner. But look, it's, it's it doesn't really matter now. Um, if it's wanted to play with the players that he's was training with at the start of the week, because um, you you're obviously going to work on the shape, how you're going to line up, and organising how are you going to play against Derby and try and stop them from um, playing against us? Um, so, yeah, you can kind of see why he didn't bring Saar back in uh, and you can probably see why Cathcart didn't start. Um, I think e- Econ um, came back a day earlier than Cathcart and we didn't really have another centre-back option on the bench, did we? So, no. it was, that's probably why Econ started. But, yeah, not a bad starting lineup though, considering uh, the changes. But I, I probably would have preferred... Um, James Garner starting over Chalabar in the middle. Yeah, I've got to be careful what I say here because it wasn't long ago that I was, you know, we, we put a snippet out and I said on the podcast that I feel he's being made, made a bit of a scapegoat. But I, I certainly would have put James Garner in there. Possibly I would have changed him for Quinner because I don't think Quinner was as effective as 
maybe Ivic would have preferred him to be. But I think in terms of the starting lineup, Ben, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think Ivic has had a certain group of players to work with, and Ivic is a type of player that, uh, type of manager rather, that he's got a certain group of players. Yes, our star man might be available, but Ivic isn't going to let the other players down that he's sort of worked with all that week. And I do like that, like. We knew when we did a bit of research on him joining, you know, you cast your minds back to the podcast when we announced that Ivic was the new manager. Um, I know you did a bit of research, Ben, whereby um, he's not afraid to leave big star players out. Um, And although, you know, it's probably not looking at it as in Sars, you know, throwing his toys out the pram and he's leaving him out, but he's worked with a group of players for the week or the two weeks international break and yes Sar may have been available but Ivic has stuck to his guns and he said well no we're working with this group of players yeah. yes Sar is very good but I'm not going to bring it in. I'm not going to bring him in I'm going to trust these players that I've been working with and I think that's brilliant on, on one side and also yeah. he has been away and you do point out that Saw was due to play a second game, uh, but it was cancelled for, I believe it was COVID-19 reasons. But, okay. um, yeah, he, you know, he could have played, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy, you know, it saves him for another game. And look, we could be sitting here on Wednesday seeing the team line up and it could have Kapuin, it could have Hughes in, it could have Saar in. You know, we could be really, you know, throffing at the mouth looking at this uh, lineup. But one player I want to point out, Ben, who you actually tweeted off the podcast account, who had a solid game, Trooster Kong, what a debut to make. I, I, I thought I thought he patrolled the defence brilliantly. I, I, I thought he was brilliant. And I'm hoping that injury is, is just, you know, just a minor one and it's just a precaution. Because it looked like he was holding his hamstring when he came off. Yeah, he, he's been here like two minutes and he's already organising the back line. Um, it, it was great to see. Uh, that's the kind of leadership we needed at the back. Yeah. Uh, really solid debut from Econ. Uh, was really impressive. It was a shame he went off, like you say, with like a slight hamstring injury, I believe. Um, yeah. But it might be very minor. It's more precaution more than anything. Like He doesn't want to make it more serious than what it actually is. Um, Ivic will probably be hoping it isn't too serious as well um, because he did show real leadership in that uh, centre of defence and he looks a great addition to that back line. It looked, we've massively upgraded in that position just by signing him. If you yeah. look back last season, we had we had Mariapa. Um, <laughs> no offence to Mariapa, but... Oh, good God. His best days are behind him. Yep. Um we we just haven't really improved that back line at all. And he's just came straight in and he's fitted in really well. Um, I, I was pleased to see him play in the centre as well. And they pushed out Cabaselli out to the right as well. I thought that was better. You, you couldn't have him on the right-hand side of that uh, for back three. Yeah. Uh, and do, do you not think this is very typical of Watford? Trooster Kong is exactly the type of the mould of player that we needed last season. Uh, like, yeah, two, you know, two seasons ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. Obviously, you know, you, you've you've said Mariapa played a lot last season. Not the most, well, I mean, he's certainly vastly experienced, but as you've rightly pointed out, as as much as a Watford legend, if you like, he may be, or Watford through and through, I should say, um, 
he's Craig best Dawson days behind him. as well. Yeah. Craig Dawson, exactly. So, truce to Kong, really. Yes, two seasons ago, we could have done with him. But last season, even if we'd have him just last season, you know, it would have been brilliant. But I think you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there, Ben. And I think you also hit the nail on the head last podcast as well, which another snippet, which we also put out. He's just the sort of player with the leadership skills that we're looking for and we haven't had at centre-back for ages. Like It was actually quite interesting to see the fans' point of view when we put that snippet out, who reminded them as a, as a defender, uh, the last sort of player that we had as sort of leadership. Not many recent ones come up. Um, I, I think I saw Gabriel Angela come up, but the real one... The, the sort of most recent one was probably Jay Demerit and then obviously John McKellen way before that. But um, this is exactly the type of player we needed. And I, I don't like to downplay Watford players here, but you could tell how much of an influence he was because I, I, I don't mean to jump to the second half so quickly, but in that second half, no disrespect to Cathcart, but as soon as he come on, Rooney sort of found a little bit more space and he, he put that one-on-one wide. So, you know... Truce to Kong dealt with Rooney in the first half, and Rooney had he had he didn't have a sniff, so you could just tell he's so cool, so relaxed, and like so commanding at the back. I really, really think we're going to see one hell of a defender, one of the best central centre backs in the league this season. I think that's a bold claim to make after one game and five games in or four games, however many it be. But I'm telling you now, I think we've got a real player on our hands. Um, I'm going to focus on certain individuals, Ben, because let's be honest with ourselves. The first half, I'd imagine if you'd struggled to get Isla to sleep, you you probably would have stuck her in front of the TV (laughs) for that first half, wouldn't you? Because it it was, yeah, it wasn't great, was it? No, it's funny you say that. Uh, once again, uh, put the TV on. She fell asleep. She, she does not like watching Watford play, and and, it, and we're actually winning at the moment. So yeah, it's a bit puzzling. Yeah, um, but worried. yeah, it, but but you can see why she fell asleep. It's it's no cutting edge again. It was lacking creativity. We didn't have a shot on target until um, the second half when Joe Pedro put that ball in the back of the net, which we'll, we'll talk about. But oh, yes, yeah, it we was will. Just, it, it was just poor. There was nothing really to talk about. There was maybe a penalty claim on uh, Tom Cleverley. I'm glad I, you I brought, brought that up, Ben. In your uh, eyes, penalty I was gonna or no s- penalty? I was going to ask you the same. Um, in my eyes, there's a bit of a coming together, but I think Tom Cleverley was trying to be clever and he was trying to make it more of a penalty than it actually was. Um, yeah. what, what do you reckon? I've seen the old cliche. I've seen them given, um, and much like the one in the second half, which we'll talk about. But I think VAR, if VAR's in there, I know it's ifs and buts, but if it's VAR's in that game, I think it gets given. Yeah. Um, I think Cleverly has been very clever, pardon the pun, but that's the type of experience that he brings to this side. Um, he knows that he's not going to get that ball whatsoever. But he knows also that the player's got his hands all over him. So he's going down and he's thinking, you know, come on, Jeff, points to the spot. But it, it wasn't to be. Uh, Mr. Eltringham thought otherwise and thought nothing of it. But, um, yeah, no, it, it certainly wasn't a first half to remember. Uh, and, yeah. and this is a worry, as I'm sure you was about to say. There's, it's not the first time that we've started a first half so sort of lacklustrous. 
uh, and it, it's not pretty to watch. But uh, one player I do want to pick out, uh, I, I thought, well, two. I'm going to focus on two players here now, both wing-backs. Firstly, I thought Jeremy Ngakia was very, very quiet. We didn't really utilise that right-hand side. Now, that yeah. might be because of who he was up against. But on the flip side, I thought we utilised the... Uh, left-handed sides and therefore Kiko Femenia I thought he was brilliant in that first half Yeah I'm glad you mentioned that I thought um, Jeremy Nakakia wasn't very effective going forward we've seen him much higher up the pitch haven't we and seen him um, look a threat um, I thought defensively he was brilliant um, but he didn't really offer as much going forward on the right-hand side um, Kiko he was getting forward well I thought he had a good game I, I feared for him when that tackle came in on him down by the corner flag I thought it was a bit of a naughty yeah. challenge on him as well um, but once again it, it's no balance to that left-hand side every time Kiko got the ball he was looking to cut back in and it's, it, it's not great um, you can see we have missed out signing that left-back um, which would have given us more balance. But going forward, he looked all right. He was getting in the box. I think he beat a couple of men to get a, a few crosses in as well. Um, but yeah, we were trying to use the wide areas, weren't we? I think it was yeah. better second half when Semmer was getting involved down the wings. and He was beating the man and actually um, putting in a decent ball into a box as well. Um, but yeah, second half as well. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this one. So second um, penalty shout. Um VAR would have 100% given that. VAR would have given that every day of the week and twice on a Sunday, Ben. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm glad, firstly, I'm glad we've, we've skipped the first half because I was really dreading talking about that because that was really, really poor. But second half, how he's not given a penalty, I don't know. Do you think, I, I mean, this doesn't obviously take anything away from the fact that it was a penalty, but do you think had George Evans, I believe the player was, that got in the way... Um, who was the also the man that got booked in the first half for that tackle on Kiko. But do you think, had that not hit George Evans, do you think that would have been in? Or do you think that was going wide? Yeah, I think that was goal-bound. Because that was a Chalaba rocket shot, which we've seen over the years. That one at it, Leicester springs to mind. It was. It was good play down the right-hand side as well. I think it was yeah. Sam who got the ball into a box. And then Pedro, once again, Pedro loves these little flicks, doesn't he? He doesn't get oh. much connection on the ball, but he gets enough to like deflect it away from the def- defender. I mean, yeah, yeah Chalabar was completely levering that ball. And that, that was goal-bound. That was going in. But yeah, hit Evans. And he, his arms were away from the body. Like It, it happened sec- um, later on in the game. Um, I think Cleverly got a block in there. was shouting for handball. Yeah, no, the I difference was... Cleverly's yeah. hands were right up against his body. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew if his arms were out wide and the ball struck his hand, the ref would have blown for a penalty. Whereas Evans, he had his hands dangling everywhere. Do you know what, though? I think that would have been typical of Watford because I believe that was after we scored, which we don't worry, listener, we are going to talk about that goal because, but. I believe that was after we scored the Cleverly penalty incident, but that would have been typical if that would have been given, but the one at the other end wouldn't have. But yeah. I think Cleverly was very clever. Again, no pun intended, with the way that he, <laughs> he sort of positioned himself and sort of made the block at the same time. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it goes back to that thing. You know, we, we've we moaned about VAR sort of doing us over, if you like, um, but... At the same time, VAR would have come in very, very handy um, last night because yeah. that definitely would have been a penalty. One thing I I'm do not... want to ask you, though, Ben, who would have stepped up to take the penalty? 
I have no idea. I was thinking that last night. Um, yeah. We've seen Cleverly take a penalty for us before away at Everton. Where he, yeah, he, I was going to say, it, didn't he? Yeah, um, let's not give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'd like to think that uh, Pedro, it wouldn't have faced him. Um, I think he would have stepped up and wanted to take it. Um, I don't know who else would have It is a tricky it. one. I'm looking, I'm literally, yeah. as I ask you that, I'm looking at the start at 11 and I'm thinking, there's not really anyone here that's screaming. Nah, I don't know about that. I know we can lever a ball, that boy, but you know that might work against him. Uh, he might took lever a it over. against Oxford, didn't he, and scored? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I, I'd like to think that it would probably be Pedro because you know uh, he needs goals this season. He he's been doing brilliantly, uh, which I, I think superbly links into what we're about to talk uh, about. But I think he's. It's a massive, massive season for him. You know, um, he's been given a number 10 shirt. He obviously is going to get more game time. He's put seven kilograms on now of muscle. So, you know, he knows what he has to do. And those two weeks for the international break would have been absolutely massive for him. And I'm sure he would have been working on his game and where he needs to tweak things. So that would have been massive for him. So I probably would have said, if, if I was Ivic, I would have said, if, if we get a penalty tonight, Pedro has it. If he scores, that's brilliant. A goal is a goal. So, yeah, you know, it, it is a tricky question, though. And listeners, if you've got any idea who would have took it, let us know. Who would you have picked to take that penalty last night uh, if it was given? But luckily, Ben, which brings us on very, very nicely to what we're, to, we're about to talk about, we didn't need that penalty decision to, um, to actually win the game. A absolute brilliantly placed shot from João Pedro for his second goal of the season. Um, yeah. Like, firstly, I, I, we're about to obviously praise João Pedro very, very highly, but another man who needs praise is Ben Wilmot. Firstly, the fact that he's up there pulling the strings like that and he played the ball. It was a brilliant one too. He even ran into the box just in case João Pedro wanted to lay him off and then get a shot in the box. Firstly, that is brilliantly brilliant to see. But like, secondly, it is good to see that uh, Ben Wilmot Ben Wilmot is pushing on so high. Um, and I, I thought he was brilliantly positioned and he played João Pedro in brilliantly. But the one mistake that that Derby player made, I don't know who he was, but you do not step off any player there. But my words, how well did he take that shot then? Oh, unbelievable, mate. Um, just wow. Um, remember the name, Joe Pedro. Um, yes. Just unbelievable, wasn't it? But yeah, before I go into the Pedro goal, but like you said, special mention to Ben Wilmot, um, picking up the ball on the left-hand side, joining the attack, driving with the ball, uh, pulled several Derby players away uh, with that run, which opened up the angle for Joe Pedro. He, he got out his foot and just, he just banged it in the top corner, didn't he? He put a curl on it and beat the keeper. Keeper had no chance at all. Um, I, I read it, like an interview during the week of Joe Pedro. He was, he was talking about Wayne Rooney. He was saying when he was back in Brazil, yeah. he knows who Wayne Rooney is. He'd seen Wayne Rooney play. That was Wayne Rooney in his prime scoring goals like that. And to be yeah. on the same pitch <laughs> against Rooney as well, it's, it's a special moment for him. Um, but yeah, absolutely unbelievable strike and that's goal of the season I don't care how we're, how we're going to end up like how we score goals for the rest of this season 
that is unbelievable for a, a, a young man who's 19 years of age to pick up his second goal um, in English football. What what a finish and love yeah. the celebration too as well. Oh yeah, uh, do you know what Ben? It will do wonders for his confidence. Oh, hundred like, percent. Yeah, he's got his second goal, so that's going to do wonders for his confidence. But to score like that and to take it on, it was one of those shots, I thought, Ben, that as soon as it left his boot, you knew it was going in. Oh, like, yes. I was I was quite, you know, I, I was sitting at home last night, um, funnily enough, in East Midlands, because that's where I live, um, and I had a beer in my hands, shock, and I was sort of relaxed watching it, getting a little bit agitated because the game was getting on a little bit. Um, and... You, you sort of saw, I saw João Pedro had the ball on the edge of the box. Next thing you know, he's hit it. And I jumped up and I, I could not believe it went in. A um, little bit worrying that it's taken 76 minutes for the first shot on target. And ultimately, that ended up in a goal. But to be quite frank, Ben, that's not our strongest starting eleven, And we've won another game and got another clean sheet. I do not care if we win every game 1-0. A win is a win, right? Yes, it's nice to have more chances and it's nice to, you know, um, maybe score more than one. But I don't care, Ben. We, we've scored three goals this season and conceded one. I don't know after today, because we're recording this on on Saturday evening. I'm just looking through the table as we speak now. Only Reading have conceded one as well. So we, it's us and Reading that have conceded the least amount of goals this season. Uh, and I don't care if we win every game 1-0. But I, I think that will do wonders for his confidence. And especially as the games are going to be coming thick and fast, he's got, I think he's going to pick up yeah. a lot more. Don't be surprised if he goes on a scoring streak, Ben. Yeah, I would be surprised, but it was a little bit worried to see that he ended up going off the pitch. I don't know if it was down to cramp or anything, so it would be interesting to see if he starts Wednesday night against Blackburn. But um, yeah, he's such a talent, isn't he? He's a, yeah. another gem that we found. I think Sky Sports um, Sky Sports coverage mentioned that we picked him up for two million. So it's just yeah. another pinch yourself moment that we've actually signed someone for cheap money again, haven't we? But, yeah. Um, I, I watched I watched the coverage after uh, the, the game on Sky. Uh, they were all banging on saying one nil to the Watford. It's like it's like what they used to say about Arsenal. It's like yeah. solid defence and that. But yeah, if if we carry on doing that, I'll take it. It doesn't matter how you win um it's very solid at the moment um saw the interview with Ivic afterwards as well and the, the reporter was asking him about Pedro and saying you got a special player in your hands there and I loved what Ivic's reply was it was like yes it's good but I'm not going to put pressure onto him um he needs to keep working hard and that's what you want he, he yeah. wants to keep him level-headed he doesn't want to get himself too carried away and that's what we need you don't want people putting too much pressure onto him he's 19 years of age like he might have blips in his career he might he might uh, go like 10 games without a goal but, but you just don't want to put pressure onto the kid if he carries on performing like this magnificent if he doesn't just not jump onto his back because he's very vulnerable at this age isn't he um, he is and you mentioned there he might go 10 games without a game and so on. We Let's not forget a certain Mr. Troy Deeney, who's a Watford legend. How long did it take him to score in the Premier League? Uh, what, best part of 10 games maybe? Maybe not that yes. long. but spike away, wasn't it? He ended up scoring 13 goals that season. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it takes you a little while to get off the mark or if you go a few games without scoring. You, you're a striker. Strikers... 
position, as stupid as this might sound, is not just about scoring goals. If you're creating the chances as well to go with it, then you're doing a good job. Obviously, the main part is to score goals. But if Jao Pedro's creating chances, assisting, link-up play, then I don't care. But, yeah, um, just on the injury, I saw on Twitter, I can't for the life of me think who it was that tweeted it. So if you're listening to this and it was you that tweeted it, I do apologise. Let me know and I'll... Uh, I'll, uh, I'll apologise, but they did say that Pedro didn't go straight down the tunnel. He sat sort of in where the subs would sit. So it, it perhaps that perhaps says that it it's not as bad as we first feared. It looked more like cramp as well than a hamstring, which I can deal with. Uh, because he, he probably did it from his celebration, didn't he? Oh, Seaside. yeah, that looked, <laughs> oh, that looked right painful, that did. If I did that, Jesus, I'd be out for a year. Um, my back would go it, as well. Lucky he did it now and not back in the 80s when it was um, AstroTurf. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Imagine the state of his knees. Oh, God. No, no, thank you. Um, but, yeah, um, the the other two things I want to talk about, because, again, it was another game where it was very limited of chances, but uh, I did fear a little bit when Tom Lawrence come on. I thought Tom Lawrence hasn't played for a while. He's sort of one of their star men this season. It would be typical if he come on and grabbed an equaliser, or even worse, grabbed an equaliser and the winning goal, because we know what he's like for club and country. He can strike a ball from distance. He did it a couple of times, didn't really trouble Ben Foster. The main two uh, sort of key chances for Derby was firstly that one-on-one with Wayne Rooney. How Wayne Rooney's not put that away, I do not know. Like, a player of his calibre, of his standard, I would have put my house on Rooney. When when he went one through, one-on-one, after beating, after sort of losing Cathcart, I thought, one-one. There's not a chance yeah. he's missing this. Um, that was and, a poor, poor finish, wasn't it? That? Yeah. I think the Sky microphone picked up his reaction to it. I'm not going to repeat it, but... Um, yeah, he, he sort of knew that he really should have finished that. Uh, the other heart in mouth moment, Jesus, I was I was sort of watching behind my, my, my hands. That free kick, I thought that was destined for top bins. But I will say this, obviously it went over in the ends just, but it looked as if Ben Foster had it covered. I know that sounds crazy because it was literally destined for top bins, but I think Ben Foster would have had it covered. Was you sort of panicking a little bit when Wayne Rooney was sort of stepping over that free kick in the 92nd minute? Similar distance for the one that he scored against Norwich as well. Yeah, my heart was in my mouth at the moment. Ben Wilmot made that challenge. I thought, don't make the challenge yet. I think we went the whole game without yeah. conceding a, a foul on the edge of a box. And you just knew what Wayne Rooney did the week before away at Norwich. He stuck it in the top corner. And I really feared that it was going to happen again. And I was so so relieved when I saw it go over and uh, hit the top of the net. And then, oh, <laughs> could have cost us massively there. So Ben Wilmot got away with one there. Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, a 1-0 victory away from home. A clean sheet again for Ben Foster and his defenders. Uh, Bearing in mind that we had a new defender starting from the off as well. So there was a lot of, you know, we spoke about it a couple of times, Ben. Who would you change? Who would you bring in? You don't want to mess around with the defence because they've not done very badly. So you don't want to mess around with them. But we did, we changed it, and we still kept the clean sheet. And like Neil Warnock said, the very first game of the season against Middlesbrough, he said, I didn't think Watford were the better side, but it's the sides that grind out the results that end up going on and actually 
doing something in the league. And I think that's going to be very, very key. Yes, there was yeah. a lot of very frustrated Watford fans after that first half. And probably, I know it sounds strange, but, you know, this is Watford fan base run about after all. But probably at the end of the game as well, there was a lot of Watford fans that weren't very happy. But like I tweeted from a personal account, it wasn't the prettiest, but they're the type of games that get you through that league. And look at example, I won't harp on about this too much, but Leicester, the year they won the Premier League, they went through that season scraping results. It wasn't pretty every single game. I think they only just beat us at Vicarage Road. I think Igalo scored. I think they won 2-1. Um, but the season we went up under Jukanovic, there were some games that season, it wasn't pretty, but we got the result. I think a lot of Watford fans, because of Ivic's background, probably expected, and because of the Tottenham game and the Scunthorpe game pre-season, were probably thinking fast, you know, free-flowing attacking football, passing, you know, it's like Zola again. Um, but I think a lot of fans have to realise it doesn't matter how we get the result as long as we get it. And three points after five games, if you'd have told me that we'd be on ten points, I'd have snapped your hand off. Would you? Mm. Would you agree with that, Ben? Yeah, massively. Uh, yeah. It, like you say, it, it wasn't a great watch, but it was an excellent victory. Um, yeah. The championships are—it's a tough old league. You, you've got to grind out results now and again, like. And like you say, that's what Leicester did when they went on to win the Premier League. Um, we've, we've been defensively solid once again. The foundations are fi- finally being built at the back. Yeah. Um, we've only conceded one goal in five games. Um, Ivic has got to take the plaudits of this. He has sorted that defence out straight away. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to build from the back. And he, he's done that straight away. Considering we had such a mess in defence last season, we've only conceded one goal in five games. That's exceptional. Um, yeah. But also looking at this, like we've still got the likes of Capu, Saar, Shoes, Dini, Parisia, Messina, even Andre Gray, all to return. Like things are on the up for Watford. Really, we can only get better. Like, yes, it's not that entertaining at the moment. But when Ivic has got those players to his disposal, I think it's going to step up, and we're going to see more goals. Um, like games are going to come thick and fast now as well, so I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Ivic, um is probably rotates the team slightly for Blackburn. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree, Ben. The games are coming thick and fast. This is when the resolve of the team really, really, really shows, and these players coming back from injury, it's really, really going to show. Uh, so I am very, very, very excited. So, yeah, another win away from, well, I say another win. The first win away from home this season. Another clean sheet. Ten points from a possible five. Sitting pretty in fifth at the moment, above Luton Town. Happy days. We can't ask for much more. And moving on from Friday's win at Pride Park, we've also had the domestic transfer window shut, Ben. So um, we've seen two players leave further to the last conversation we had on the previous podcast. Um, The first one in the form of Craig Dawson. He's joined West Ham on a season-long loan with a view to a permanent transfer. Um, He made 30 appearances for us and there was two goals and six clean sheets. Now, I don't want to go too much into depth because I think we'll be opening a massive can of worms. But personally, I don't think he's been as bad as people are making out on Twitter. Have you got any thoughts to add on top of that, Ben, about 
Dawson's reign at Watford. Yeah, yeah, uh, very similar to like how we feel about Andre Gray and Nathaniel Chalabar. I feel like he's a bit of a scapegoat. Um, I feel like people have pointed fingers at Dawson when it's not really been deserved. I thought um, since lockdown, he was probably one of our most consistent performers. Yeah. Um, he did struggle when he first joined, but maybe that was getting back up to the speed of playing Premier League football. But yeah, I, I didn't like the reaction that we saw on Twitter when they announced that he left. Um, he, it's, it's not his fault. Um, it was recruitment's fault last season. Um, it, it was down to the recruitment that signed Dawson. It's, it's not. It's not Craig Dawson's fault um, for his performances last season. Really, it's. It's his own ability. Um, he was thrown in at the deep end um, when we was a sinking ship as well. Um, we was leaking goals left, right and centre. Um, yeah, it, it took a while to get up to speed. But once he got into the side, I thought it was pretty solid. And he, he was um, a threat in, um, in the opposition box as well. And he helped us um, get some points along the way. Um, that last minute goal um, against Leicester City, the overhead yeah. kick. Uh, brilliant uh, yeah just feel like he was a bit harshly treated yeah yeah I can see where you're coming from with that uh, you know as you say um, he, he come into Watford and to be fair when he joined Watford I thought it was half decent signing because it wasn't long ago that Leicester had a bid rejected for Craig Dawson uh, quite a high bid as well uh, and sort of whenever you play West Brom because of the way that West Brom have always set up, you know, as an opposition fan, that Craig Dawson is going to be a threat. Um, so I actually thought it was half decent. Um, there was a game against, I think it was a Newcastle away, when um, Javi Garcia was still in charge, the 1-1, where I thought he was absolutely abysmal. Uh, there's no other words to put it but uh, ever since then, I thought he didn't really do as bad as people make out. You know, he got a, a run of games and I thought he was he was alright but certainly I don't think the abuse that he's got or the criticism I should say that he's got on Twitter is warranted uh, and as you say post lockdown I thought he was one of our better performers uh, and more consistent performers uh, you yeah. know a, a real threat from uh, attacking situations and obviously our first ever podcast was to talk about that Leicester game and he won us a point unfortunately it wasn't enough to keep us up but you know he, he was still a consistent performer so be interesting to see how he gets on at West Ham be interesting to see if he plays um, at West Ham because I, I don't know what their defensive sort of areas are looking like but I, I'll definitely be keeping a close eye on him uh, to see if he sort of uh, silences the, uh, the haters as I say um, a more sort of heartfelt one next is Daryl Yamat's been released with I believe he had two years left on his contract. So he's been with us for four years. We signed him from Newcastle for seven and a half million back in August 2016. He went on to make 85 appearances for us, scoring six and assisting four times. Now, out of those six goals, surely four of them, it certainly feels like, could come against bloody Chelsea. Um, <laughs> he absolutely loves scoring against them. But Ben, this one is all fans can agree on. I'm gutted he's gone. Absolutely gutted. Yeah, it's just a shame he couldn't stay fully fit. Um, I yeah. think the other two goals that he actually scored was away to Southampton and away to Liverpool. Um, but all Yamat's goals as well, they've all been at like 
he's you know messy, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable um, some of the goals that he scores. He loves running through the defence and just slotting it in. Like you say, I think yeah, four of those goals that came against Chelsea and he just he just weaves in and out like the players aren't even there. Um mm. it's a shame he couldn't stay fit. It was a bit bit weird last season actually I think Watford offered him a new three-year contract last season didn't he at the very start of the season and now um, we've got relegated and ended up releasing him which is a bit bit of a um, strange situation Um, I feel sorry for him but he he probably wants to move as well I think he's back in Holland Um, we're doing a bit of rehab now after his um, knee injuries which is probably we're probably close to being a year out of football now for him Um, I think it is um, a year yeah and we've got options at right back now, haven't we? So we can probably afford to let uh, Yamak go. But yeah, it's a shame um, he was injured quite a lot because when he was playing, I think I thought it was brilliant. Uh, he offered a lot going forward. There was maybe a few issues defensively. Um, yeah, I think one stands out for me is I think we went to Fulham away in the Prem and. I think he was to blame for one of the uh, the goals. He he just stands off a bit too long. Um, it stands off and doesn't get close to stop the cross or make a challenge and that was a bit frustrating for me but going forward I thought it was, it was top draw yeah yeah a bit like how you know uh, I'll never forget Gary Neville said when he was analysing one of our games about Kiko Femenia he's not a defender he could play midfield uh, and I, I think Yamrak's the same you know you, you look at some sort of wing backs if you like and they're, they're much better going forwards compared to staying back when unfortunately in the role that Daryl had to play the defending element was quite uh, an important part of it uh, Glenn Johnson always springs to mind on, on a personal note for that I don't know why um, yeah I think it's a modern day fullback isn't it yeah. they're, they're absolutely fantastic getting forwards and attacking but they can't defend nowadays well, can they I think we found young um, Jeremy Nakakia. I was just going to say that I think we found the right balance with Nakakia. I think going forward he's brilliant, and at the back he's just as good. Um, So yeah, I think we've we found it. But I I would have liked to have seen. I'm sure if Yamrat was fit, I'm sure he'd be in and around the team, sort of pushing Nakakia, maybe making him a little bit better. Um, Not not that he sort of needs it, but that that could have been something to watch. But yeah, got it, and really hope it works out for him and he finds a club as you say he's in Holland at the moment um, with his rehab so I'll be keeping an eye on where he goes next and uh, all the best to him Um, and then in terms of players that almost went and were rumoured to leave we had a late bid rejected from uh, Crystal Palace bless them uh, for Ismail Assar they come (laughs) in on deadline day with a £25 million bid Um, like the the Poxo asking price was, I think at one stage I heard it was 40, and then I heard 45, and then you heard that we weren't going to accept any less than Richarlison, and I think Richarlison altogether was 50. So, what on earth possessed Crystal Palace to think, I know what we'll do, we'll make a £25 million bid, less than the one that was rejected from Liverpool? Like, it's actually laughable. Like, I don't get what was going through the head at that time there. Yeah? Uh, the moment um, I saw it come out, I think uh, Adam Leventhal tweeted it and another couple of sources said about it. I, ch- I checked my calendar straight away to see if it was April Fool's. Um, <laughs> I thought they, co- they, co- they must be pulling our legs here. 25 million for Ismail Sarr. They yeah. know how good he is. We did, we we paid more to sign him and he improved massively last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was, there was testing the waters, weren't they, to see if Watford were 
maybe looking to get a deal done. But we've said for a while now, if if you're not going to stump up for the, the large amount that we need, um, we're not interested. And I don't think Gino would have wanted to send him to, uh, send him to Crystal Palace. Well, no, and you know the. the Adam Leventhold did another brilliant, you know, he's he's been brilliant, by the way, throughout transfer um, sort of window. And he did another article where it was about, largely about Ishmael Asar. I think Aston Villa was sort of brought up in the conversation as well. And, you know, no disrespect to these teams, you know, rivalries aside with Palace and, uh, you know, such. But, you know, he if he's turning down Liverpool, he's not then going to go and join Crystal Palace or Aston Villa, is he? So, yeah, it, it is a bit silly and they were probably testing the waters but one thing I do want to say about Saar, um, which says a lot about his character, is not once has he kicked up a fuss, not once yeah. has his agent kicked up a fuss. Footballers now, Ben, as soon as they hear that a big move's on the way, especially if they've just been relegated and a Prem team is coming in for them, um, and, you know, Liverpool have come in, Man U have come in, um, so, you know, they're not small teams either. Usually, with the way that players are now, they're kicking up a fuss saying, I don't want to leave. They're not training, they're, you know, whatever. But Ishmael Osar and his agent, credit to both of them, because not once have they turned around and says, we want a move. They've been so, so professional throughout it. And it is refreshing to see, especially from a young lad, because it's mainly the younger players that sort of kick off a little bit. So that is good to see. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I think it's normally the younger players are like the prima donnas nowadays. They? <laughs> they, their teams get relegated. They they throw their toys at the pram. But just look back to when we got relegated, the final whistle at the Emirates. He he, he was crying. Probably, uh, yeah. he, he obviously cares about the football club, and he was gutted that we went down. Um, he could have um, thrown his toys at the pram and knocked on Gino's door and said, "Look, I want to move on. I want to better myself. I, I'm too good for the championship." But he hasn't. He's knuckled down and he's fully committed. And just full respect to him and his agent for that. It's just he's a very well um, respected young man, and he's got a massive career ahead of him. But yeah. his time will come um, if he carries on playing this season. Get probably about thirty to forty games. Try and get into double figures for goals and maybe assists. I think it's going to be a very good season for Ismail So, and it's probably going to improve as a player. Yeah, I've no doubt he will play Champions League football one day because he is that good. Um, and there was also murmurs as well of him maybe going back to Wren. I don't think this one quite got off the ground, but Wren uh, have just qualified for the Champions League. I don't know if they've been in it before. I know they've been in the Europa League because I think Saar actually scored against Arsenal in the Europa League. But um, he will play Champions League football one day. And, you know, that the fact of him not throwing his toys out the pram, I think he doesn't realise a lot of people will take note of that. So, as you say, let's hope he can knuckle down, get some goals, get some assists, put in some real stellar performances and, um, yeah, get get us back up to the Premier League, more importantly. Um, and then, the in terms of transfers, the last sort of big news was Troy Deeney is sort of staying with Watford. Now, we've sort of seen a bit of a mixed bag in terms of the reaction to this news, Ben, on social media when we put the news out. It largely appears that a lot of Watford fans are very happy that he's staying. You know, it goes without saying that I'm, you know, massively over the moon. But also, it appears that a lot of people are sort of being a bit negative and saying, 
yes, he he's staying because nobody's come in for him. And that may be the case. I mean, West Brom were rumoured, um, Newcastle, I think, were rumoured, Tottenham were rumoured. So, you know, the interest was certainly there. Yes, we didn't have an official bid, but I think people need to overlook that and think, well, who cares if they didn't bid? You know, even better for us. Um, but I think Troy now, now he knows that he's staying, I think he will get let him get over this knee injury because I think he's still got a couple of weeks let him knuckle down, and again, if he can get a run of games, Ben, I'm calling it now, minimum 15 goals this season, I think. Yeah, I think um, you're not wrong there. Um, I think he, I think he, um, I don't think the West Brom talk or Newcastle talk really got to him. I think it was when he heard Spurs were interested and they wanted a backup to um, Harry Kane, I think that caught his attention. He, he, yeah. was look, he was thinking, oh, European football being managed by Jose Mourinho. So you can kind of think, you can understand a little bit why his head moves may be turned. He's just got right, relegated right. as well. And he wants, but he, he's a father, isn't he? He wants to keep on providing for his family and end up taking um, big wages still. He could have even had a bigger pay rise moving to Spurs. Um, You can understand from a business point of view why he probably wanted to move on. But look, that move hasn't materialised. And now he's wanting to commit and stay for the rest of the season. Like, you know, Troy, he's going to knuckle down. He's the captain of his football club still. He's still... This club's very close to his heart. Um, He loves this club. Um, He's going to give absolutely everything to the cause. And... I believe he can get to double figures as well. I don't know yeah. if he can get to 15, but I think he can definitely get to double figures. I'm only saying that because it's October now. Um, he's, he's missed probably the first five games. He might miss the next couple as well. So I think double figures is a realistic uh, target for Troy Deeney. But I'd like to see him... Uh, I'm, I'm glad he's sticking around for one more season. Um, yeah. I think he's, he's still good enough for the championship. Um, he's got a lot to offer to the team still, but he's got a lot to offer to the team if we play him up front with someone. We cannot play him up front on his own. So no. I, 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 I wouldn't mind seeing the likes of Joe Pedro and Troy Deeney linking up top together. Yeah. You just know now that we've said this, that that midweek game away at Wickham, Glenn Murray uh, and Troy Deeney up top now, um, <laughs> that would be a, that would be some uh, some some line up but yeah it, as long as we play him up front with somebody I think that is the key um, and it'll be weird not watching us lump it up to Troy and then he sort of feed off the scraps what he can win but yeah massive massive news you know sometimes although we haven't brought anybody in um, which I'll talk about in a, a seconds although we haven't actually brought anyone in you know keeping these sort of players are as good as new transfers in my eyes Um Moving on to, in terms of players that we've not, sort of not brought in, we've been rumoured with quite a few players. You know, Bar- Barry Douglas ended up going on loan to Blackburn, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, Barbara Rahman, I don't know where he ended up. I, I think he went out on loan, but I'm not sure I think where he, he stayed he at to. Chelsea in the end. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. right. Okay. But um, just quickly, it did seem as if Ivic did an interview with Free Counties Radio after the game and said that we are looking at the free agents now to bring the left back in, um, which is good. Um, I've not personally looked through the free agents at the moment, so I don't know who it would be that we'd be looking at bringing in. But um, yeah, we are looking at bringing a free agent in at left back. So that is very, very good news. Um, 
we are going to talk about the Blackburn game very briefly because there's a couple of things that we need to uh, make you aware of and a couple of things that we want to talk about. Just before we do that, you guys may have seen on Twitter, Facebook and our Instagram that the uh, stat pack that we do has a new look. And to be quite honest, when me and Ben received it through the email, we, we didn't know what to say. We was absolutely speechless. So, Stuart Crookshank, if you're listening, thank you very, very much for the, doing those graphics for us. We have tagged him in on the post on Twitter. We've also put his profile on the Facebook and the Instagram posts as well. So, make sure you go and follow him because he's a very, very talented lad um, and we really, really do appreciate it. They looked absolutely fantastic, didn't they, Ben? Oh, fantastic, weren't the words. Oh, like you say, gobsmacked when they came through. Um, yeah. We was talking to him at the start of the week. And we pitched some ideas to him. Um, we let him go work his magic. I, I didn't want to say we underestimated him, um, no. but we were very pleasantly surprised and it was completely uh, blown away by the new look of it. Um, yeah. Considering what we was doing, you you was um, typing them out, putting them on Twitter, screenshotting them, putting <laughs> yeah. them on the Instagram page. Instagram page. Uh, yeah, it looks so much better now. But yeah, we're, we're starting to look a bit more professional now, aren't we? Hopefully, we can start sounding professional soon. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll get working on that as soon as we can. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, um, with that, that's one of many things that we're going to be working with Stu on. So you know, keep an eye out for some for some other stuff. So yeah, Stu, if you're listening, thanks once again, buddy. Um, moving on quickly to the Blackburn game before we talk about uh, what we're going to talk about there will be a special one-off podcast uh, it's something that we're going to be trialing whereby on Wednesday the day of the game Wednesday morning you will be able to hear an interview that me and Ben did with Ian um, we're going to let him pronounce the, the the name of the podcast because it is quite a mouthful it's something to do with Blackburn Rovers Supporters Club uh, but it is quite a mouthful you'll hear that on Wednesday uh, but it, we had a we had a good chat with him to talk everything about the Blackburn game so that will be available for you on Wednesday morning on Spotify Apple Podcasts all podcast providers that you usually listen to us on so keep an eye out for that but we're just going to very quickly talk about it in terms of the game on Wednesday because obviously we didn't see Saar, we didn't see Kapu. Um, I don't know if Hughes will be fit. We, we'll sort of know later on, sort of maybe Monday, Tuesday time when the press conference is done. What, are you expecting them to come straight in then or what, what's, what's your sort of feel around the team that we could field against Blackburn? Um, my thinking is we've got so many games coming thick and fast now. Um, I can see two or three changes to the side, maybe even four. Um, I think Ecom's probably going to miss it because he, he came off injured. Um, I'm not sure if Pedro's going to be 100% ready. Um, if he's not, we've got Parisia coming back after his three-match suspension. Um, so he'll probably slot straight in. Um if Kapu's fit, I'll probably start him over Chalabar. There's lots of games coming quick. I'm not saying I want to drop Chalabar. I'll probably say that he deserves a rest. Um, yeah. Saar would probably come in. And my thinking is I would probably bring him in for Kiko Firmino and I'll put um, Sem- uh, Sema at left wing back. Um, so we're not changing the formation or anything. Um, so yeah, there'll probably be a four changes. I'll probably bring um, Kafkart in for Econ, uh, yeah. Kapu in for Chalabar. Um, Parisia in for Pedro and then Saar in for Kiko. Uh, what do you reckon, mate? 
Do you know what? That, I wasn't expecting as many as four challenges from you, so you've completely stumped me here. Uh, I do think in terms of the centre-back role, I do think... I don't know whether he'll risk Ikung because, of, as you've said, you know he, he did have a, a slight knock. So I do think that Kafkart will come back in. So it'll be Wilmot, Kafkart, and Cabaselli at the back. Um, I would also switch. Yeah, I would switch Ken Semmer, put him at left wing back, um, and then I would bring Sarin as well. I would probably, from the last game, I would probably bring Kapu in for Quinner. Because I don't think Quinner was as effective. Um, so it would be Quinner, Chalabar, uh, no, sorry, it would be Kapu, Chalabar, and Cleverly in the middle as well. Uh, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, I th- I would, in fact, I would quite like to see Pericha start, but I think providing that João Pedro is okay, I think Pedro will actually start. Because yeah. he'll want a run of games personally. Ivic will want him to have a run of games and maybe continue that scoring form. But I do think that if Pedro does play on Wednesday, we can't expect to see him on Saturday against Bournemouth. And it depends how Ivic is looking at it. I know all games are important, but is he maybe prioritising one over the other? Or is is maybe Bournemouth a more difficult proposition than Blackburn? So it'd be interesting to see. I think whoever starts up front on Wednesday night doesn't, Star on Saturday, so it's going to be a very, very big risk for uh, for Rivic. And we I'm might sorry, even have Andre Gray back fit for maybe that's I think true, it might be a bit too soon for the Blackburn game, but you never know, he could be back to feature for the Bournemouth game on Saturday. And if that is the case, then I would very much expect him to sort of see him alongside Pedro, which would perhaps point in the direction of Pericha starting on, on Wednesday night. So I think they're the they're the changes that I'd make. It'd be Kafkart um, for Trooster Kong, Kapu for Quinner, Kiko for Saar, and then move Semmer to left wing back. And then, yeah, let's go with it. I'm going to go with Pericha to start up front. Um, purely on the basis that Andre might be back. So I think Andre would work much better with Pedro. Um, so, yeah, they're the changes that I would make. Only one that would actually differ to yours. Uh, but I do think it's going to be interesting how we sort of chop and change because these games are coming thick and fast. We've got um, Blackburn on Wednesday night, Bournemouth at home on Saturday, and then the following Tuesday or Wednesday, we've got... Uh, We've got Wickham away, um, so and then we've got Barnsley away. So this is where it, the business end of the season. Well, not the business end because it's only October, but you get what I mean. This is where they start coming thick and fast, and this is where we'll see the resolve and the depth of the squad maybe start to gel a little bit more. And this is where we need to pick up points because there are some winnable games coming up as well. Um, I know there's probably no such thing in the Championship, but on paper. Um, there, there are some winnable games, so it is going to be very, very interesting to uh, to see where we're going to go with that. But and it'll also be interesting as well to see if we bring anyone in, um, you know, from a free agent and whether they feature over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so it will definitely keep a close eye on that one. But yeah, um, in in terms of in terms of that, you know. I think that that about wraps it up for for this podcast. Um, you know, um, to to sum it up, a brilliant win away at Derby, one 0 clean sheet, 
another three points up to fifth above Luton. And uh, we've got a tricky game coming up against Blackburn because they've had one hell of a transfer window. Um, and it be remains to see who we bring in for left-back because I don't know what uh, free agents are out there, but it'd definitely be one to keep a close eye out. Um, and also, as we've said, talking of keeping a close eye, keep a close eye on our social media because we'll also be you know, working with Stu on some more graphics. So hopefully you guys like them and it'll uh, make us look, as Ben says, more professional. So we'll, uh, we'll get working on sounding more professional, but uh, in the meantime, we can certainly look more professional. Uh, and also don't forget as well, on Wednesday morning, a one-off pod where me and Ben spoke to Ian from the Blackburn Rovers Supporters Club podcast to talk everything about the game. So from now until Wednesday, come on, you horns. Don't forget as well, we will be live on Instagram Live after the Blackburn game on the Wednesday evening to preview, well, to talk about the game, hopefully to talk about a win. And uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week after the Bournemouth game. So, yeah, come on, you horns. Podcast Network.